0: Hey guys, it's Tyler here and before we get into the actual show today, there are a few things that I wanted to address at the outset. Don't worry, we aren't going to be talking anything coronavirus related other than me mentioning it right now here, uh, kind of this little prelude to the show that uh, we know people around the country are inundated with that at every turn and are frankly exhausted by it. By now, we all know what's going on. Uh, We all know the situation that we are in. And Curtis and Charlie and I, we are certainly not qualified to add anything to that. And we don't want to add to the avalanche of information anyway that's already out there that's kind of beating us over the head. We sincerely do hope that all of you listening out there are staying safe and hugging your loved ones closely. This is obviously a very serious situation. We know that. And we are absolutely not at all trying to downplay anything, the gravity of the situation or anything like that, Uh, again, Curtis, Charlie, and I, we we absolutely cannot do anything about the larger situation. That's just out of our control. I know we all kind of feel a little helpless in that respect, and I I know that's very frustrating. What we can do, however, on this show, and what we are going to do our best to do throughout this crisis, however long it may last, who knows, is to give you guys a respite from all the uncertainty, all the fear, and let's be real, all the boredom, that a lot of us, I mean, most of us are going to be experiencing for the next couple of weeks at least. So we want to try to offer you a a break from that for at least a couple of hours each week. If you listen to this show, there's a pretty good chance. I I, I feel confident saying that your life is very much tied up in sports in general, in Georgia sports specifically. And if that's the case, trust me, I feel your pain right now with the sports world essentially just shutting down for the time being, with no timeline for it to return at all, and, and that's the hardest part for me is just kind of the uncertainty here. Like things might come back later in the summer, early fall, but we don't know, and, and that's a that's a really tough thing to kind of uh, deal with mentally right now. You know, the college baseball season with our very promising third ranked baseball team, poof, it's gone. Uh, You guys know I love Georgia tennis, and both of our tennis teams got off to great starts, and I was very excited about the rest of the season, but no, poof, gone. G-Day, poof, gone. The Masters, poof, gone, for now at least. And and who even knows, I hate to even go there, but who even knows about college football season? I'm certainly hoping beyond hope things will be getting back to normal, at least normal-ish by September, but who am I to say? Who knows at this point? Really, who knows? It's not like we just roll out there September 5th and and we're ready to play, I mean, we need fall camp, heck, we desperately need time for spring practice, considering, at least here in Athens, like we're working in an entirely new offense, but let's just not even go down that rabbit hole, because there ain't nothing but depression and darkness down there, and I just do not want to go in that direction, the point is, a larger point I guess I'm trying to make, is that the rest of the sports world, it, it, it has, it's shut down, but we uh, here at the Glory UJ podcast, uh, we're going to keep things going strong through this crisis just to give you guys a chance to escape at least for a few hours a week from the situation we currently find ourselves in. Uh, now, saying that though, obviously, we are short on actual sports to talk about. Uh, it can be tough to create content for a sports podcast without any sports actually going on. Uh, but, you know, here on the Glory UJ podcast, like we, we obviously talk all Georgia sports, but we are very clearly a football-heavy podcast because that's what the the Georgia fan base is. We are uh, diehard and passionate about all of our sports, sure, but especially, even more so, to a whole other level when it comes to football. And given that, we are very accustomed to, on this show, talking football all year long, even during the long, arduous offseason, season without much in the way of actual football stuff going on in the background, like actual news coming out for us to talk about. So we're used to kind of getting creative in the offseason and finding topics to talk about that you guys will enjoy. But still, it's going to be especially tough right now without any sports going on. But we're cool guys. We have you covered. We have some what we think are cool ideas that we're going to run with. But we did also kind of just want to put it out there that while we'll definitely be talking Georgia sports and Georgia football primarily through these next however many weeks, um, we're going to have to get creative. So just work with us there. Um, I know it might not be uh, the exact same kind of content you've come to expect from this show every single time we, we put some content out there, but we have you guys covered. And like I said at the outset, we want to make sure that we give you guys a, a chance to kind of escape from the craziness that's going on around us right now. So just know that and work with us there. For example, one of the ideas that we have and that we actually plan on running the first one of these later this week is kind of in keeping with the March Madness theme, we're going to create our own brackets of like Georgia specific topics, put it on Twitter, on social media, let you guys vote on those topics and kind of make our own picks on the show and talk about some Georgia sports content that way. You know, I love college basketball and I'm really missing it right now. The college Ball regular season is is definitely the best thing ever invented ever in the history of planet earth but the college basketball postseason is the next best thing as far as I'm concerned I always love this time of year there's a lot lot of excitement going on with conference tournaments and a selection Sunday which I'm recording this portion of the show right now on Sunday so that kind of sucks we'd be looking at brackets right now so uh, I'm kind of down about that so this will kind of memorialize and keep with the theme of the NCAA tournament And the first one we're going to do is uh, the greatest moments in Georgia football history. We are already in the process of putting that bracket together, but we also want to hear from you guys. We want you guys to be able to nominate any moment in Georgia football history you think should be in the bracket. A lot of you guys go a little bit further back then Curtis and and Charlie and I go back. Uh, So we'd love to hear some some moments that you guys think should make the bracket. So send in any nominations that you have to us on Twitter at glory underscore UGA, and we will do our very best to include those in the bracket. And once it's set, we'll put it up on Twitter and we'll let you guys start voting. And then uh, later on the week, we will uh, have that show for you guys. And, And that brings us to today's show. Obviously, as we all now know, It sucks, but spring practice has been delayed uh, at the very least until late April, uh, if we even end up having it at all. But the thing is, Curtis and I, we recorded part two of our spring practice preview series last Wednesday morning, just before everything started to hit the fan and you had mass cancellations in society and then all the calls for social distancing, all that overwhelmed us all. We would already recorded this episode. Uh, We haven't posted it since that moment. Uh, because we weren't sure how relevant it would end up being. But after discussing it, we decided to kind of just go ahead and run it today. I know it's kind of weird, uh, but at the very least, it's some hardcore football talk at a time when there's no football talk going on really anywhere outside of like uh, NFL free agency maybe. Uh, so I know it's kind of weird. I get it, guys. Trust me. I know it doesn't seem exactly right to run a spring practice preview episode when you aren't exactly sure when or if spring practice is going to happen But ultimately, the deciding factor, for me at least, was this. Would I personally want to listen to this episode right now? And my answer was unequivocally and emphatically, yes. I'm like you guys. I'm dying for any sports content, especially college football content. So that's why we ultimately decided to run this episode today. So here it is. Our preview of the Georgia storylines and position battles on the defense heading into spring practice enjoy and everyone out there please 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 take care of yourselves and your families we wish you guys the absolute best but with that cue the music
1: coming to you from Classic City the capital of the Bulldog Nation
0: it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for, for the, the most die hard Georgia, Georgia fans in the country. country here are your hosts
1: Tyler and Curtis
0: What's up guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler and back with me again today is my co-host Curtis and today we have part two of our spring practice preview series and this time we will be turning our eyes to the defense. We previewed the offense earlier in the week and you can obviously still check out that episode but today it's all about the defense. We're going to preview the storylines, the questions, and position battles, and just generally do our best to get you guys ready for spring practice that opens on March 17th, less than one week away. That's right, it's just a couple days away from now, and we are pumped about it here on the Glory UGA podcast. It's always great to have some on-field football to talk about, so let's get to it. All right, Kurt. Like we did when we previewed the offense, let's start with the big-picture look at this defense. We all know how good we were on that side of the ball last year. As you and I both predicted coming into the season, it turned out to be the first truly dominant defense in the Kirby Smart era. We get something right every now and then, and that was one of those things that we did just happen to get right. Uh, 2016, we we were fine in year one under Kirby Smart defensively. The 2017 defense was very good with some elite players like Roquan Smith, Uh, 2018, though, that was a major step back. And for me, that was really the reason we didn't win the SEC title and find ourselves in the playoffs, at least as far as I'm concerned. But last year, we finally took that step and became an elite, dominant defensive unit, a unit that flat out carried this team all year. As we kind of mentioned on the Offensive Preview Show, this defense last year in 2019, it was a defense that finished first in scoring defense, giving up only 12.6 12.6 points per game third in total defense giving up only 275 yards a game second in yards per play allowed giving up only 4.29 yards per play and first in rushing defense giving up less than 75 yards a game that is dominant just a dominant defense any way you slice it but 2019 is dead and gone and we are full steam ahead looking ahead to 2020 so Kurt as the dogs prepared to hit the field for the first time in preparation for that 2020 season, what are your expectations for this defense? Do you expect us to be better, worse, or about the same as we were last year on that side of the ball?
1: I actually think we'll be better. I know we lost um, people like uh, Tay Crowder, Tyler Clark, um, you know, some players Reed. like that, Jr. Reed in the backfield. But I actually think that we're going to be better off in the long run. I think that – Our secondary is going to be even better next year. I think our linebacker core is going to be even better. I think we're getting some guys some more experience. I think you're going to see Nicobe Dean and um, Quay Walker take a bigger step forward. And I think even our outside linebacker is going to be even more deadly with people like Nolan Smith and Jermaine Johnson getting in year two under the system. And I think that, you know, we have some young guys on the D line that can step up. You know, we'll be getting Julian Rochester back, which will be nice because you can rotate him and uh, Jordan Davis in at the nose and, you know, move Julian around at the same time. I think. When you have people like Devonta Wyatt and even some of these young guys that are ready to go in, like Z- uh, Logue and Norton and people like that. Yeah, look, I, I know that
0: sounds crazy. Like what you just said, like saying that we're going to be better than last year. That sounds crazy, right? Like I think we were, that will be even deeper this year than we were last year. And that's the thing. Like I, like on on paper, you look down the numbers from last year. You are like, dang man. Okay, first in scoring defense, third in total defense, second in yards per play, first in rushing defense. Like, how do you get better than that? But the thing is, like when for all the reasons you kind of laid out, you did a great job kind of laying laying it out there. I agree with you. I think we have a chance to be better. In fact, I expect us to be better than we were last year. And again, there's not much room for improvement there, but there are things that we can improve, especially like getting after the passer, creating havoc, those kind of things. Um, And for me, when I look at it, you kind of mentioned this, Kurt, and it's kind of what you were alluding to, but what are we really
1: losing off this defense that was so good last year? Right, um, like, I mean, yeah, you lose Reid, but I think, um, Lewis sign is maybe a better. Ta- I think that you're not losing much, maybe the leadership and things like that. But like, as you saw in the ballgame, the guy is if there's not a huge talent yet between Reid and Lewisine. No, exactly, I mean,
0: yeah, there's not like, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned those things, like we're losing, sure, we're losing a little depth on the defensive line, we're losing guys like Tyler Clark and Michael Barnett, uh, David Marshall, some guys like that. But the thing is, yeah, we're losing some of those guys. But the guys who are on the roster last year, I think, were the more talented players. They're coming back and they're gonna be a year older, a year more experienced. I think all in all in all, like they're just going to be better. Like when you're older, you're more experienced, you're bigger, you're stronger. You're going to generally be better. It's just a natural progression of things. So guys like Trayvon Walker, guys like Devontae White, guys like Jordan Davis, I expect them to be even better than they were last year. I think those are the more talented guys. Along that front, last year, um, all our, I think our most talented linebackers, our inside linebackers, are returning. I know we lose Tay Crowder, and he was a really good player for us last year. But I, I would say of all the guys in the rotation, he's probably the least naturally talented. Um, I maybe you could argue with Monty Rice, but I think guys like Nakobe Dean and Quay Walker are freakish athletes. That are just going to be a, a year older, a year better than what they were last year. And you can say the same thing for outside linebacker. Uh, you mentioned the secondary with Jr. Reed. Like, yeah, we like we lose Jr. Reed. He's a great leader and he's a really good player for us for a long time. I'm not trying to discount him at all, but like everyone else, literally everyone else in that secondary is back. Plus, we added the likes of Keely Ringo and Jalen Kimbro. I'm also really high on. And oh, by the way, off the, like just in terms of not just the players, but like the defensive coordinator himself. Right? Yeah, he'll be in his second year on the job. So, I mean, like, I know it sounds crazy when you look at those numbers last year and say, wow, you think we're going to be better than that? I know that seems crazy, but I think if you look at this team, the talent we have coming back, the experience we have coming back, the new pieces, the highly talented pieces we're adding into the equation, Dan Lenning and year two as a coordinator – I really think there's a great chance we can actually be better on defense. I know that's crazy, but I think there's a really good chance. I'm with you there. But all right, let's move into the position breakdowns, and let's start with the defensive line and kind of work our way back. We, we mentioned a second ago we are losing Tyler Clark up front, along with a couple more complimentary pieces like Michael Barnett, David Marshall, Mikhail Carter, even Justin Young. We're losing those guys. Uh, obviously, Carter nor Young really made much of an impact last year other than providing depth. They 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 were in there um as part of the rotation just going to give it give our starters and our more talented players a little bit of a breather give them some time to rest and, and get back in the game but, but barnett marshall and clark those guys really did play key roles for us especially tyler clark we know that so kurt
1: what is your biggest question as regards the defensive line heading into the spring um i think the biggest thing is who are going to be the guys to step up i mean all right. i mean we know what we have uh, i just wanted know who the alphas are going to be i mean i know you have monty and richard and things like that but especially like you know we have a lot of open position battles where we have guys rotating in there but i, don't, I want to know who's gonna step up i mean look at the other um cornerback position where you get tyson campbell and dj daniel going at it who's gonna be the one to step up um just yeah. all around even at the star position at the linebacker position where you're gonna be having a battle between quay and kobe i mean i i'm very interested to see who has you know taking these workouts serious and you know put themselves in a position to get more playing time. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And and I, I totally agree with you there. And if you're looking at the defensive line specifically. Like
1: what are your what's your question there? Let, let's start with the defensive line. Like what is your biggest question on the defensive line heading into spring practice? I want to see what we're going to get out of these young guys like you know the people I mentioned like Norton and Logan people like that like what are we going to get out of them that's going to how how are they going to contribute um and I also at the same time also want to I'm kind of interested to see what their plan is for using Julian this year
0: I'm very intrigued by what we're going to do with Julian Rochester because this is a guy who very quietly tore his ACL towards the end of the 2018 season like no one really knew about it until we got to like basically fall camp and we were like oh Julian still we knew he wasn't there in the spring but like you think that's just a minor little thing. You find out, Oh wait, no, Julian Torre's ACL. You're like, what? He had ACL surgery. When did this happen? So I guess when, uh, it happens towards the end of the season and there's no more press conferences, and no, nobody's asking about it. We just don't really ever hear about it. Uh, and then he, he did play in four games last year, but with the new redshirt rule, we were able to redshirt him and hold him for his final season of eligibility. So, like, honestly, like, let's talk about Julian Rochester. How big is it for this defense, especially this defensive line, to have a guy with the experience of Julian Rochester able to come back and, uh, after really essentially taking a year off? Like, how big is that for this defense when you're losing? I the guys? I
1: honestly, I honestly think it's huge. I mean, this guy had a lot of talent coming in. Um, he hasn't always lived up to the expectations, but I think this is especially his last year, um, last shot. And I think that he just brings a, you know, we're, like I mentioned, we're going to be relying on some younger guys um more so this year so I think he brings some more veteran leadership and just someone that I think can be a do-it-all type position I mean you may see him at the nose to give Jordan a break you may see him at the three and five or not the five but the three and things like that like I think he's going to be a good job like a good plug and play piece
0: yeah he's got some versatility I think he naturally fits best as a three tech but he he has played the five before he's played nose guard the zero tech as you've mentioned so there's some versatility there and we are losing some depth uh i obviously tyler clark's the big one but even the debt pieces the michael barnett's and david marshall's the justin young's mikhail carter's like we had to replace that debt because one thing that made us so good up front last year is we were able to rotate those guys and keep them fresh all game long and whether all those guys are, are stars or not like mikhail carter's justin young's like those guys give you the opportunity to do that to keep your more talented players fresh so we need that. We need bodies. And Rochester is a, not just a body, but this is a guy that's played a lot of football for us. You mentioned he's not ever really been a dominant player up front for us. Um, like a lot of people were maybe expecting him to coming out of high school. But I will say this for Julian. I think he's gotten better every single year. Is that fair when you're looking at Julian Rochester? I think he has improved, yes, every time. Yeah, he's. I'm not sitting here saying he's a dominant player. I'm not saying he's going to be a dominant player next year. But go back to where he was his freshman year sophomore year to where he was in 2018 uh, as a different player. And what we saw from him in, in in just spares playing time this year, I thought he played pretty well. considering he's coming off the ACL injury. So uh, I think he's, he's gotten to the point where he's going to be at the very least a solid player for us. And let's not for like, when you talk about the defensive line, just the trenches in the sec, like, yeah, size, strength matters. But like a part of that is like age when you're like, what is Rochester like 29 years old now? I mean, I feel like he's been here forever. No, I think really he's to be 23. But when you're go, going up against potential offensive linemen who are like freshmen and sophomores, guys like 20 years old, and you're 23 in the trenches, you're that much bigger, stronger, more experienced than them. Like, that's 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 that's, that, that's not nothing. Like that, that That is certainly going to give you a little bit of an advantage there. So I'm really glad that we were able to redshirt Julian and get him back this year. I think that's going to be a key piece for us on the defensive line and just the leadership he can provide on the defensive line as well. But I don't think he's going to be the alpha. I will say that. Uh, I mean, it would be great if he did, did turn to be that. But I just don't – I haven't seen that yet from him. I don't think that's going to be his role this year. I think he'll play a lot, but I don't think he's going to be the alpha. Uh, and, and if we had an alpha last year, I guess it was Tyler Clark was the closest to that. He's gone. But currently, who – who has the best chance of being that alpha this year
1: on the defensive line? Uh, two people. Uh, I mean, of course, Jordan Davis is a stud. But um, yeah. I'm going to go with um, Devontae Wyatt and Malik Herring. All right, give me make the case for Devontae Wyatt. I mean, you saw last year. I mean, he was probably the most consistent guy out there. I mean, Tyler Clark could make the big plays that you would see like fourth down stops and things like that. But Devontae Wyatt game in, game out was probably our most consistent D lineman.
0: I th- I thought he gave us the best pass rush from the interior as well. I think Tyler Clark was good in that regard also, but why I think was just a little bit of a better pass rush from the interior, which is something that we haven't always had. And I think he's going he's going to build on it even more this year. And if you add that to what we have coming back at the outside linebacker position, I think we can have a, a even a, I'm not saying a, well I don't know if we'll ever have a nasty pass rush on Kirby Smart with how we structure our defense, but a better pass rush. I I, I think why is that. Total package. I think he's a guy that can rush the passer from the interior. I think he's a guy that plays the run very well. He can one-gap, he can two-gap. He, two he can play the three, he can play the five. I don't really like him at the zero-tech, um, but I, I really like this guy. I think he's the guy, if I had to pick one player right now, at least on the interior defensive line, I think Devontae Wyatt's a guy I would point at. Jordan Davis is a guy that has the potential to be that. I still have questions about Jordan and like his conditioning, right? Like, like can Jordan string together play after play after play?
1: Like, is that a yeah? That's like, that's a good question for him.
0: Yeah, and to me, like that's and that's my big question for Jordan Davis. I had him on the list. here. Let's talk about Jordan Davis for a minute. Like, how good can he be? Like, he's entering his third year. Like, this is the this is the money year potentially for Jordan Davis. How good can Jordan Davis be in year three?
1: Oh, I think he can be really good. Honestly, I mean, the guy's always been a game changer, even from when where he started playing as a freshman.
0: I think Jordan Davis and just all right tell me if I'm going too far. I think Jordan Davis can be dominant.
1: I will use the D word. He can be dominant. I think he has a chance to be that this year. Is that going too far? No, not at all. I mean the guy has shown it. The guy gets past, you know, just straight push. That's and, and that's my point. Is like we've we've seen him do it in spurts.
0: We've seen him do it at times. We haven't seen him do it consistently. When he wants to and when he's uh when he's not tired, he is that guy. So to me, the biggest thing I want to see from him this spring Is just like I said, conditioning. I want to see him be in better shape. I've heard he's right around 330 pounds, which is kind of where we want him to be because weight's been an issue with him. Kirby's made uh, no bones about that. He's been very open about some of the weight issues Jordan Davis has had to deal with and just keeping it off. Um, But if he can do that and uh, keep his body in shape and be able to play more consecutive plays, then I think this guy has a chance to be a dominant defensive lineman in the SEC. I think he's a, a true zero tech. I, do you see him as a, a guy that can slide out and play the three? I don't, I don't know if I see that. I don't that. think
1: so.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's a zero tech. And, and, and Kirby Smart defenses, is like when they've been, at, like when he said some of his best defenses, he's had those guys clogged up the middle so your linebackers can run free. Think, think about Big John John, right? In 2017. Uh, and a lot of guys like Roquan Smith to be able to run wild out there uh, in this, at the linebacker position and make play after play after play all over the field because John John Atkins was keeping guys off of him. Uh, and I think Jordan Davis can be Atkins plus, I don't want to say infinity, but I think he'd be better than John, John Atkins. It was as good as Atkins was for us. Um, so yeah, I think we need him to be on the field as much as possible. And if he can do that and string together consecutive plays and not just be like a one or two player play at a time kind of guy, I think he can be a dominant player and he could potentially be that alpha. Um, but I just got to see him do it a little bit more consistently. Um, Let's uh, let's move. Let me ask you about this guy. Here's a name I want to throw you because I'm very intrigued by where he fits in and, and what kind of year he's going to have in his sophomore season on campus. Where do you see Trayvon Walker fitting into the equation this spring? To me, I think he'd be best out of five tech. I'm totally with you, and this is where I. I think we could be nasty at the five because you mentioned Malik Herring, right? He's a five tech guy all, all the way. Now a third and long situation is obvious passing down. So he can slide inside and play a three and, and get a pass rush on a guard. That's a mismatch. And that's a, 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 a matchup in our advantage there. Um, so if you have a guy like Malik Herring, I think he'd be a really, really good five tech guy. It's got like all SEC type guy potentially, but I also think I'm with you. I think Trayvon Walker fits there best too. I think Trayvon can also slide inside in certain situations and down in distances and packages, but I think, on standard downs, like his best position at about, 290-ish pounds, 6'5", about 290 ish pounds, six five, about two hundred and ninety pounds is the five tech. So, how do you fit those guys together,
1: Kurt? Um, it's tough.
0: Is I it mean, just gonna be
1: like a, a series by series rotation? I mean, that's what Kirby Smart has shown that he does. Yeah, I mean, that's what
0: that, that he has leaned that direction. I think mean, that was a big part of our success, especially up front last year against the run. Is guys are just fresh. So I'm good, I'm cool with that. But I, I, I think that both those guys, and even more so Walker, I think Walker brings more versatility to the table. I think he's a guy that can like, – he's 6'5", 290. He's a little undersized to play in the interiors, and three-tech. But I think he's strong. If he gets a little stronger, he, I think he can hold up well enough, again, in certain downs and distances and packages. But um, I, I think he's certainly going to be a fixture in our dime package, our nickel package as well. But I think we're going to try to get those guys both on the field as much as possible. I think I, what it would not surprise me at all to see both of them on the field – in our dime package, that wouldn't shock me at all. And standard downs, it, I ex, kind of right now expect us to kind of just rotate those guys because outside of them, like who do we have that is really a five tech body outside of of Herring and Walker? Uh, um, maybe Bill Norton. Maybe not a lot, right? There now. Out
1: there? Yeah, we really like, I we mean, have yeah, some the guys. That is, we like, just don't know how their bodies have. Don't like, know have how their bodies have developed. I think that's the biggest thing. What about a guy like tremel Waltbauer? Now he could. I don't. See, it's just so hard because we haven't seen how these guys' bodies have changed. Yeah, well, I, I don't think right he can someone. Yeah. I don't think he'll be anything more than a three or five.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think Waltowers. I think honestly, he probably fits better as a five. He's another guy like Walker can slide inside the three, maybe in a pinch to get some guys some uh, a break. But I think he's more of a five. So I think Walker Herring and Walt that are part of the bodies you're looking at the five tech with like guys like Rochester and Wyatt had the potential to slide out there. And if you want to do, if you want to get crafty and crazy and some different packages. Um, but I, I think Herring could be a stud for us this year. I think Walker has potential to be a monster for us, especially in year two. Uh, now, Cause remember he was a guy that he wasn't here in the spring last year. So this'll be his first spring on campus. He made a out a, a really nice role for himself, even though he wasn't here last spring. So I'm really excited about him. I'm really excited about this defensive front in general. Like, uh i think we have some guys that can really take a big step in year in year two but uh i right Kurt, i'm gonna give you a couple guys and you mentioned some of these but a couple guys that haven't really made a major impact on our defense yet for like whatever reason or they were red shirting or just waiting their turn whatever um i want you to tell me which guy you think of these i'm gonna mention has the best chance to make a move for a legitimate role on this defense in 2020 so we got bill norton zion Logue is the guy you mentioned Tyman mitchell Tory Johnson, who might or might not still be on the defense side of the ball. He might move over to offense for the spring at least. We'll see. And then incoming freshman Warren Brinson. Of those five guys, which one do you think has the best chance to make a
1: move this spring? I'm going time and Mitchell. I think that guy might be a big a big thing to help to, uh, Jordan Davis and people like that. That's exactly where I was going to go on for the exact same reason. I like we have some
0: guys that are versatile enough to play the zero tech in a pinch if we need them to. Like Michael Barnett did that last year. He was was Jordan Davis's backup last year. Michael Barnett is not a real nose guard. Like he's just not. Like there's a big drop off. They're just different kind of players. But Tyron Mitchell, of all the guys we have on the defensive line right now on the roster, he's the closest to Jordan Davis from like a physical profile perspective. So I think he's a guy that fits there naturally. So I, I think and with with Jordan needing some. Time off the field to get a breath here and there. I think Timon Mitchell is going to have a role on this team. I'm really high on a lot of those guys. I think Zion Logue has a chance to be really good. He's got really good length, really good athleticism. He had to he had the frame coming into college. He's had to kind of add some muscle and some uh, weight to that frame, kind of fill it out a little bit. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked to see him be have, to carve out a role. It's kind of be a depth piece this year. And I don't know if he's gonna like take a starter role this year, because we have guys like Julian Rochester, as we mentioned, and Devontae Y in those spots. But I think in the next couple of years, Ion Lowe could be a real big time player for us on the defensive front. Bill Norton, I don't know what to expect from Bill. I think he's a guy that has some versatility, some athleticism. And I think he's going to uh, potentially I think he'll at the very least be in the conversation for a for a role for, as like, a a depth piece this year. Warren Brinson, we'll see. I don't really know what we have in him. He's to be here for the spring uh, as an early enrollee, uh, but so I'm going be watching him on G, during G day. Torrey Johnson, I don't know. I, I'm hearing uh, some some word that he might potentially at least for the spring be moving back to the offensive line because we don't have enough guys there right now. So we'll see kind of how that plays out. But uh, all right, Kirk, to wrap up the defensive line, what are we going to be saying about this defensive line after spring drills conclude? Um, mm. I'll go first. I, and you I, you yeah, go I, first. I, all right, I'll go first on this one. I think what we're going to be saying is that the top line looks really good, looks as good as it has in a while, but we still need to build depth after the spring.
1: Yeah, I think that we. I think that we're in the spring saying that we have pieces. We just need to, they just need to develop. Yeah,
0: I think that's. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think we have guys that we. There's some guys that we know who they are. Like we know we have. We know who Malik Herring is. Uh, we know who Jordan Davis is, if he can just stay on the field. We know who Devontae White is. It's the guys that were freshmen last year, or or whatever, the Bill Norton, Zion Time of Mitchell's, those kind of guys. Even the Trayvon Walker should agree like what kind of step are they going to take in year 2 and i think those are the things that we have to, we have to answer but uh, and i know i didn't mention Jalen Carter i get that guys i know he's the big time a uh, demon stacker coming out of uh, high school this year but he's not going to be here for the spring so we're kind of holding this conversation to guys who are going to be here in the spring just want to put that disclaimer out there and before we move on to the next position group i do want to remind you guys that today's show is sponsored by the athletic a subscription based sports news site for real fans through in-depth coverage from local writers on every single team out there, plus national writers you already know and love like Jay Glazer, Mike Sando, Mike Lombardi. Of course, on the college football front, you've got Bruce Feldman. You've got Andy Staples. You've got Stuart Mandel. The Athletic is setting a new standard for sports news. There are no ads, no pop-ups, no clickbait of any kind. It's content created for you guys, the fans, not for advertisers. It really is just great sports writing, that tells the story behind the story you get exclusive player profiles you get all the deep dives analytics you get team power rankings fantasy sports insights all the stuff you won't find anywhere else and each subscriber gets a personalized feed of stories you get live writer q a's and so much more all you have to do is download the athletic app pick your favorite teams and the athletic will begin servicing all the latest on the players and storylines that matter to you it truly is a no-brainer for the true sports fan out there. And if you're ready to get started, get 40% off a yearly subscription right now simply by going to theathletic.com slash overtime. That's theathletic.com slash overtime. But uh, all right, let's stay on the front and let's turn our attention to the outside linebackers. We have what I think is a wealth of talent at that position, Curtis, but I think there's still some questions at that position. So for you, I'm curious what your opinion is here, Curtis. What is the biggest question you have about our outside
1: linebackers heading into the spring. Um, well, First, I think you have to ask, has Adam Anderson, is he going to put on weight and actually hold the weight? And then second of all, can people like Aziz and – Hello? Yeah. Are you there? Okay. So, All right. So it cut out after, as you said, Aziz and people like – and pick it up from there. Yeah, I want to see if Aziz and some of these upperclassmen can hold off Nolan. That is, dude, that is,
0: that is a very serious question. I, you know, let, let's talk about that, and I'll, I'll come back to my question here in just a second. Because while well, you mentioned that was one of my, my questions here on, on the list, um, Aziz Ojalary obviously had a really good first year as a starter. He led the team with five and a half sacks last year as a as a rest year freshman. Uh, he was our primary Sam outside linebacker on standard downs. Uh, really solid season as his first year starter. But how much do you expect guy, a guy like Nolan Smith or
1: maybe even Jermaine Johnson to push him this spring for that role? I really do. Even Jermaine, I think you can see Jermaine's got an immense – he's just – I think he's he's got a great not as talented coach. as Nolan, but that guy is incredibly – I think he's actually probably more talented than Aziz. And um, I think now that he's getting true D1 coaching, I think this could be a takeoff year for him.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about this position. I think we have so much talent. I don't know how it's going to play out. This competition, I, I don't know, man. Like, Aziz is obviously leaving the clubhouse based off what he did last year. And I think Aziz, the one of the reasons he was able – the the primary reason, in my opinion, that he was able to kind of hold those guys off last year is he was just the most ready to be a, 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 um, a an every-down type player, the guy that could that could do everything that, that needed to be done to the outside linebacker position. He could play the run very effectively and also rush the passer, as evidenced by his five-and-a-half sacks last year. Uh, however, I still don't think he is as explosive an athlete as Nolan Smith or even Jermaine Johnson. Are you with me there?
1: Yeah, and I think that's the difference. Like, those two – are extremely explosive, and I think that's the difference yeah. in them.
0: I agree. And Aziz, I think he was just bigger, a little bit bigger, stronger, ready to play the run a little bit more effectively. These coaches trusted him more in that role last year. It was a big part of playing our defense, and, and hey, it worked out. We, we led the country in, in rush defense. Um, but if Nolan and Jermaine can get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, and a little bit more effective against the run, I think their athleticism and their explosive off, off the edge as pass rushers I think that might potentially give them an edge over Aziz. Uh, if they can, now we'll see if, if what their bodies look like and if they're more effective against the run they were last year. And both guys were good against the run last year. Don't mean wrong, they both played really hard and they're really good. I just think Aziz was better last year in that in that role, in that regard. Um, so we'll see if they caught up this year. But I certainly wouldn't put it past them. I think it's gonna be a heck of a battle. I wouldn't and I'm not throwing Aziz out of the equation. I love Aziz Ojolari. I think he's gonna be a great player for us. I mean, all these guys are gonna play, right? I mean, that's clear. It's just a matter of like who's gonna be that star because like a lot of times we don't really play a base defense very much anymore. Like that just doesn't really happen with, with how offenses are structured nowadays, like like to spread the field. Most of the time we have one of these guys on the field on standard downs. Now we get in obvious passing downs, we bring the dime packers on the field, then we get crafty and creative. We have multiple guys on the field doing different things, rushing the passer. But on standard downs, it's usually one of those guys. And more often than not, last year it was Aziz Ojolari. Um, so I'm curious to see uh, how that plays out this year. It's one of the questions I have. Now, the other question I have here, Kurt – is uh it's about havoc that was the buzzword right we heard that all off season. havoc that was the buzzword this time last year our havoc numbers now they were up last year from 2018 but we still have some work to do we did improve from 24 sacks in 2018 to 31 last year but we we're still only seven in the sec in that in that category Uh, Went from 1.71 sacks a game to 2.21 last year. We went from 65 tackles for loss in 2018 to 76 TFLs last year. But still, only good enough for sixth in the SEC, middle of the pack. Uh, We have 57 passes defended to 70 passes defended in 2019. Um, We actually went down a little bit in turnovers forced. We forced 17 turnovers in 2018, only 16 last year. So, yeah, all in all, we made some strides creating havoc last year. But my big question is, can we take another step and become a truly disruptive defense, particularly on standard downs? Can we win those one-on-one battles? When we get in third down long and we bring in the, the dime packers, we get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. We get very creative, very crafty, and it's, it's about blitzing. It's not so much about winning one-on-one battles. It's about confusing the offensive line and not knowing where guys are coming from. But when we get in those standard-down situations and we aren't consistently winning those one-on-one battles, that's something I want to see change. Now, part of that is scheme, where we – Just like Kirby values structural integrity against the run over disruption. That's pretty clear. We know that. Uh, and It's it's hard to argue with the results. We saw it last year, first in the nation in in rushing defense. But my question is, can we find a way to do both more consistently and effectively, where we can stop the run as effectively as we did last year, but still also find a way to create more havoc? That's what we've got to start to do on standard downs. And I'm curious to see if we can start taking a, a little bit of a further step towards that this year um so I don't know it, it's curious I'm really excited to see this uh this competition play out where there's Adam Anderson as you mentioned trying to add some weight Jermaine Johnson Aziz Ojalary Nolan Smith who by the way let's not forget Nolan Smith was the number one player in the country coming out of high school and uh the guy is freakishly gifted and we'll see if that comes to the forefront this year but Kurt what are we going to be saying about the outside linebackers after the spring I
1: think we're gonna say I think we're very blessed
0: Yeah, that's more or less what what I'm going to say is, I think we're going to be saying this group is going to break out in 2020. I think we're going to have a breakout year. I think we were kind of expecting it last year. Maybe we were a year early on that. We saw signs of it. But I think this year uh, is when those guys are all going to break out. Nolan, uh, as a sophomore, Jermaine Johnson in his final year on campus, hopefully Adam Anderson is going to be able to add a little bit more weight. Aziz is going to be a year older, year better. I, and let's not forget, I know he's not going to be here uh, for the spring, M.J. Sherman coming in, uh, who I'm really high on as, as, a, as an edge rusher from the high school ranks this year. So I think this group is going to be ready to break out in 2020. That's my prediction going into spring. But uh, all right, let's move back a level, and let's uh, let's talk about the inside linebackers. I think we all fully expect Monty Rice to kind of build off of what he was able to do last year, and there aren't really a ton of questions about him. Like, Do you have any questions about Monty, Kurt? Like, really? No, not a single one. Yeah, I really don't. I think we know who Monty Rice is after last year. But uh, if that's the case, Curtis, what is your biggest question about the inside linebackers heading into the spring?
1: Um, who's going to be the number two guy? I mean, I think we have a good idea that number two and three are going to be between Tay or I mean, uh, Nakobe and Quay. But who is it? Yeah, that's uh, that is my question as well. It's exactly what I have in my notes. Monty's going to be
0: one of those guys. Who is going to be the, the second starter? Is it going to be Quay Walker? Is it going to be N'Kobe Dean? I think that's the big question. So let me ask you, Kurt. How would you handicap that position battle right
1: now if you had to pick? Probably N'Kobe because oh. Quay's a little bit in the doghouse, I think. Oh, you hearing something behind the scenes? I mean, he just didn't make that trip. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, that's something he probably gonna have to earn back for sure. And knowing Kirby, that very like, at least to start off spring, I would – honestly, I might be surprised if it was anybody other than – Monty Rice and the Kobe Dean just based off that. And that doesn't mean Quay Walker's out of the equation at all. I don't think he is. Obviously, I think he's going to be right in the thick of things. But I think he's going to have to earn his way in, into that position. Um, and they're, they're, those players are similar in some regards, but they're also they're a little bit different. Uh, they are both athletic. They both have good speed. They both can play in space. There's some similarities between the two. Although Quay is much longer. Um, and, and Quay is – I don't know it's it's tough like he's he's a he's a taller guy with some more versatility like he's a guy that we start to unleash him a little bit more in the diet package towards the end of last year and he's a guy that i think can be a monster rushing off the edge in those situations so he's a guy that can cover in space and do it very effectively with his athleticism but he also has the profile and the skill set to rush the passer because that is what the guy did more often than not in high school he didn't really play inside linebacker truly in high school he played more on the edges. Uh, and that's why it took him a little bit of time to actually get in the rotation. But last year it all started kind of click for him, got in the rotation. And I want to see us use him more as a blitzer off the edge. And I, we started to do that a little bit towards the end of the year. I think we're kind of scratching the surface on what he can do there, but it's tough to get him on the field and do that. When you got guys like Aziz and Nolan, Jermaine and Adam Anderson as well. Got a lot of, a lot of moving parts I like guys that we can mix and match in there. But uh, if, if I had to hand it, like, I don't know, like going into the season, I love Quay Walker. I I just think his versatility his athleticism. The size, speed combination is freaky. I, I think he, man, it's tough. I love Nickobe Dean as well. You know what? I I think this spring I think Nickobe's gonna be the guy because because of what you said with with Quay potentially maybe being a little bit in the doghouse after I'm able to make the trip uh, to New Orleans. But um, it would not shock me at all. Like by game one against Virginia, if Quay Walker is that guy to come out there in on the first series. But the, they're both gonna play. They're gonna rotate in and out all all year long. There's no doubt they're both gonna play a ton. Um, Let me ask you about this, Kurt. Is there any way that Channing Tindall
1: can work his way into that conversation? Maybe. um, I hope. I mean, I just kind of get the feeling he's kind of worked just not as much in it as he was maybe in the freshman year.
0: Yeah, we talked about this a a good bit last year how he was the guy ahead of Quay Walker in 2018. uh, But obviously, kind of fell out of the rotation last year and Quay kind of replaced him there. And a big part of that, as, as I mentioned, is Quay just was uh, had to had to learn how to play that position. And once he did, I thought he was more versatile, maybe a little more athletic than Tindall. Tindall's probably got maybe a little bit of straight line speed, but he doesn't move as well in space as Quay does. Not quite as fluid, not quite as uh, as good of a blitzer, in my opinion, as Quay Walker. But I think Chain Tindall is still a really talented player, and I think he's got a chance to work his way into like a four man rotation, like we had in 2017. That would not shock me at all. Um, We'll see. I think he's going to come out there and put his best foot forward. It would Now, if it, if it doesn't happen this spring, would you be shocked to see him enter the transfer portal? No, not at all, especially not being from the state. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What about uh, so redshirt freshman Tresman Marshall and Ryan Davis? Do either one of those guys have a chance to factor into the rotation this year?
1: Ryan Davis maybe more so, I think, because he fits more of just that athletic linebacker.
0: Yeah, be the new age linebacker has to be able to play in space, all those things. Yeah, I think Tresman is a good player. But Tresman, I don't want to call him a dinosaur, but he's kind of a relic in a way. Like he's an old school, downhill thumper of a linebacker. That's what he is. And I don't know if he has the makeup physically to play in space against some of the offenses that we're going to have to be able to play against this year. That doesn't mean he can't have a role in the team. And, and maybe he'll like this guy can grow. You can get you know from high school to your your sophomore year in college or your second year in college. You can get faster. You can get quicker. All those things are true. I just think Ryan Davis coming out of high school was a better athlete than and Marshall, which fits more with what we're trying to move to in terms of our inside linebackers right now. And most teams are moving too with getting more athleticism on the field uh, over the size and – thumperishness of, of some of these former inside linebackers. If that's, that's definitely not a word, but we'll go with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tresman's a good player and he can have a role on standard downs, but I just don't see him as an every down type linebacker. Um, but we'll see. I mean, both of will certainly get a shot. There's no doubt. Um, and Ryan Davis is an intriguing athlete to me. He's a guy that tore his ACL senior year of high school. I was really high on him before that. And I'm still high on him. I think he's a guy that can be a player for us. I just don't know if this year is the year for him. Um, there's there's kind of a log jam ahead of him, especially even though know, I think a guy like Cheney Tindall is probably still ahead of him right now, and he has a chance to to jump over him. So it wouldn't shock me if he worked himself in like the four-man rotation, but I think there's got uh, some hills to climb before he gets into that conversation. But um all right, Kurt, what will we be saying about the inside linebackers after G-Day?
1: Hmm.
0: All right, I'll go, I'll let you think of this one. To so yeah. me, what we're gonna say is this is shaping up to be the best inside linebacker rotation that we have had in Kirby Smart's five years on the job. Now we don't have a, we don't have an alpha necessarily like like Roquan Smith. I'm not saying that I don't we don't have a Roquan Smith. We don't. But I think in totality the guys are gonna be in this rotation. I think it's going to be the most talented group rotation that we've had since Kirby Smart's been here.
1: I think we're gonna start by saying that the linebacker uh, room is starting to shape up to. Uh, Kirby Smart's expectations.
0: Ah, like the old Alabama days, right? Yeah. Had guy after guy after guy at that position. Just like first round pick after first round pick, year after year after year. Yeah, uh, I think we're moving in that direction. I really wish we could have gotten uh, a couple of the guys from last year, but that's okay. That's all right. we have, We're in really good shape. for guys like Barrett Carter in 2021, and, and we can sell some playing time to those guys. Uh, after this year but um before we move on i want to remind you guys about our good friends at my bookie it is championship week for college basketball it has finally arrived and it is time to score big on the non-stop action with my bookie my bookie is the best place for you to cash in on all the always exciting conference tournament games every buzzer beater and all the improbable upsets Championship week is where legends are truly made, and you don't want to be the one to miss out on the action. My Bookie offers live betting on every single game, so you can watch it up to the minute. And when you're finally ready to uh, pull the trigger, go ahead and get on My Bookie and pull the trigger at any point during the game. They got bracket challenges, national championship futures, and so much more. You can bet on almost anything, including the Democratic nomination, the presidential election coming up in a couple months, even the name of the next Pope. My Bookie caters to all players whether you research each matchup or you fill out your bracket based on the mascots my bookie has something for you join now and start winning big today if you're sick and tired of getting the run around when you ask for a payout my bookie's the answer they pay fast when you win decades of experience the best customer service and hassle-free transactions why would you bet anywhere else visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code uga for a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code UGA. Bet with the biggest, win with the best, only at my bookie. All right, let's move on. Finally, let's discuss the of backfield. We did lose a very big piece of our secondary in J.R. Reid. We talked about that. But like we do return essentially every other contributor. So Kurt was so much experience returning off of a unit that was really good last year, finishing second in the SEC and passes defended. What is your biggest question about the DBs as we enter spring drills? I'm um, really just who's gonna who's gonna separate themselves? It, it's that simple, right? Like, yeah, like it's a logjam. Like, there's so much talent back there. There's so many guys that like could easily win a position battle. That I just don't know how it's going to play out. Like, I, I know we're supposed to be the experts here, but it's hard to say. Because, like, I think those. The the battles were so close last year. I mean, you saw guys moving in and out of the lineup and a lot of rotation in the secondary last year. So like, I don't know. Like, what did these guys do during the offseason? How much better did they get? How, how dedicated were they during the offseason to get themselves in position to actually win a starting job this year? Because uh, to me, like, I, I think we can safely assume that Richard LeCount is going to be a starter for us. I think we can safely assume he will be. But can you really assume that about anyone else in the secondary right now? No, not at all. Like, I'm, I'm even throwing Eric Stokes in there. I know he was a good player. He's been a good player for us, and he was a star last year. And he's probably the next closest after the count. But, like, I'm not sure that I'm going to
1: assume he's going to star. Are you? No. Not with the way Kirby is.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. But exactly. That's that's how Kirby operates. That's, what, that's how he builds the culture on this team. And Stokes is really good. I'm not saying uh, this is not a, a knock on Stokes. He was a really good player for us. He's really talented. I'm really high on what he can be able to do for us. But I'm also really high on Tyson Campbell. I think that guy can be a stud, especially if you can stay healthy. I thought DJ Daniel came in and played like a rock star for us most of last year, and I know they're not going to be here in the spring. Or last, uh, Jalen Kimber is here in the spring. I think he's uh, he's not coming in with as much fanfare as Keely Ringo is going to come in as when he comes here in the spring. But Kimber is a freak athlete, guys. I mean, I'm talking like a freak athlete. That's a guy that's going to come in and he's going to compete. Uh, and then got Keely Ringo coming in as a, a top five recruit nationally in this in the summer. Like I don't know. Who's going to start these positions outside of maybe Richard LeCount? And, and you talk about the star, the money position, whether it's Devon Wilson, Mark Webb, Tyreek Stevenson, Kirit Ringo could certainly factor into the equation there. I I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know. And I'm really excited to see how these competitions play out, these different positions in the secondary. But let me, let's try to predict, Kurt. So if you had to predict right now, who are your favorites to start at cornerback? Campbell and Stokes. I think I'm gonna agree with you. Uh, yes, I I, I think Stokes is a should be an odds-on favorite. I don't think it's a done deal. By any stretch the imagination? But I, I would put if I had to put money on it, I'd go with him. And I, I think Campbell as well. I'm, but DJ Daniel is not gonna go down without a fight. This guy played his heart out last year. A little bit undersized, but he plays bigger than that size. Uh, he has got good coverage ability. Uh, I really liked what I saw from him last year, and uh, he really really improved as the season went on. So, those guys are going to be locked in the competition. And then we'll see. We're not going to go too far with Keeley Ringo because he's not on campus right now. Jalen Kimber is a guy I'm high on as well eventually. I don't know if he's ready to take one of those jobs yet. Um, but yeah, I think I'll go with Stokes and Campbell as well. I think Campbell could be a monster. I think he might be ready just to take over this year. I think this might be the year for him. It needs to be some money year for him in year three. All right. What about the star position? Mark Webb was that guy most of last year, but there's some competition there with Devon Wilson. If I had to pick, I would, I would, I would prefer to see
1: Tyreek Stevenson there.
0: I think Tyreek Stevenson's is ready to, another guy's ready to explode on the, like he, I well, he kind of exploded on the scene late last year, but I think he's ready to take another step this year. And I love Mark Webb. Kirby trusts him. Kirby loves him. And there's a lot to like about him. He's a bigger physical guy that plays really well against the run. He fits well against the run. Um, but man, Tyreek Stevenson is just a freak athlete. And Webb's a good athlete, but Stevenson is just another level. And we saw him be able to to show his ability as a blitzer off the edge last year. It wouldn't shock me. Now he he's a weird it's a weird case. Like he's one of those guys, kind of like DeAndre Swift. He's short, but he's not small. He's got a pretty stout body. Um, but I don't know. It's he's gonna have to he's gonna have to really show Kirby something to take over Mark Webb because Kirby trusts Mark Webb, he loves Mark Webb, and for good reason. Uh Webb doesn't he, you know, there were some times last year where he got beat on the uh to the inside on some slant rods, especially against Florida. They were just attacking him down after down after down in that game. But that's a tough spot when you because you are playing offline at of scrimmage. You cannot really get your hands on the receiver. So they can take those, those slants, they are there all day long. Any star has trouble with that. I know we, a lot of people beat up on Webb for that last year, but it's a little bit different than playing outside corner where you can get up in their face and press them, which is what Webb could really use as advantage. He's a bigger, stronger guy. But um, it wouldn't shock me to see Tyreek Stevenson. But right now, I still put my money on Mark Webb for now. Uh, and I reserve the right to change that assessment as the spring wears on. What about the money position when we were in the dime package in Kurt?
1: That's where you probably will see Webb or either Devon
0: Wilson. I think Stevenson can fit in that role. Um, Devon Wilson was that guy most of last year, but I think Stevenson, and we started to use him late in the year in that role on those third-long situations we were on the dime package. And we have a, and like when we say dying package, like we have so many variations of our dime package, It's not just one look. We have different personnel groupings, different things we want to accomplish. Um, so I, I think all those guys are going to play. But if I had to put my money on it, I would probably say Webb. It's going to start at the star. Wouldn't shot me with Tyreek Stevenson. I'll say Webb. And the money, I'm going to go Tyreek. I'm going to go Tyreek with Devon Wilson working in both positions, uh, kind of in a rotation. That's what I would go with right now. But uh, all right, Kurt, finally, what are we going to be saying about the secondary at the conclusion of
1: spring practice? That we're absolutely stacked and that we have options
0: yeah for i very similar what I'm going to say is like how in the heck are we gonna find playing time for all these guys like that's that's the issue we're going to have it's not it's not who's gonna play like, oh my god can we find guys to play it's like how do we find playing time for all these studs that we have on this roster that we want to keep on the roster and we want to keep them happy how do we get them all in the field and uh that's that's the good problem to have but i think that's the problem that we're gonna have i think we're going to see that throughout the course of the spring. But all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UJ Podcast. We always appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to support the show. We really do appreciate that. And uh, we'd also appreciate it if you guys would give us a a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That's where you find the show. That really helps us kind of expand the show and uh, attract new listeners, all that. And uh, for everyone who's already done that, thank you so much for that. We really do appreciate it. And for anyone who does does that in the future, also, thank you. But uh, we are really excited about Spring Practice opening, opening next week. And we will have you guys covered all throughout the spring, the month of March and end of April. So make sure to be checking back for that. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And as always, go dogs.